Welcome to the Deepwater Podcast. I'm Dave Mercer. I'm James Judd. And our goal on this podcast is to learn to make disciples the way Jesus made disciples. Yes, sir. Well, welcome to another episode of the Deep Water Podcast. Really glad you could jump in with us here today. Hey, everybody! Good to good to reach out to y'all again. Yeah, it's good to have Dave back with us today. Today we're talking about an interesting topic, and the topic is humility. And uh, there's some things been going on both in Dave's life and my life, and it just kind of brings up this. You brought up with both of us uh, this idea of humility and kind of the struggle with humility and how that ties into identity, or maybe the maybe the real topic of this podcast is identity. Um, but the two seem seem highly highly woven together. Yeah, um, some of the things James and I talk about often come out of our personal conversations, and then some of those we filter out and say, you know. We should do a podcast on that. And like James was saying, we're no exception. Uh, life is full of circumstances that always challenges us. Uh, our humility, uh, it reveals the pride that hides within us. And uh, recently, like we say, some things have come up that this has just been a point of conversation. So, yeah, our humility, and specifically in the context of um, when we, as believers, are part of a, of the body of Christ, maybe a, a church or an organization, maybe even a secular organization, um, like a, a workplace, you know, as we as we move through life, uh, we all have these different roles. We have different giftings. If you're in the church, you know, we know that we've God has given us each gifting by His Spirit to fill out a a role, to do something to be a benefit to the body. Um, if we're truth be told, and, and truth be told, a lot of these roles tend to get different amounts of attention. They tend to command different amounts of respect. And if you're, well, I've never been a full-time Christian worker. If you're, if you are, you'll probably agree that depending on what your giftings and what your role are, uh, they, you tend to make different kinds of money. So even uh, even kind of affects salary band and status. Uh, pretty sure lead pastors, at least in uh, today's age, make more than than janitors in churches. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and I think a lot of the the problem comes or the challenge comes in like partly is walking out who we are in Christ, uh, but part of it is is being okay with wherever God puts us. And you know, some of this is brought up as uh, my wife and I are looking looking for a new place, looking for a new job, and uh, we're exploring different opportunities. And you kind of have these feelings of angst of like, oh, you know, either either like I'm not, either I think I'm qualified for this, but nobody else thinks I'm qualified for it. Or I don't know, just all these things of like, well, you know, I don't have a seminary degree. So, you know, that that kind of disqualifies me from pastoring a church, you know, above X numbers or whatever. Um and and some of the stuff like our work we did overseas, it kind of feels like it's discounted or like, well, like over there, we're like, 
counseling pastors and coaching pastors. And then over here, it's like, ah, uh, well, you know, you're you're not really qualified to do that. It's like, well, I was qualified over there. What, why am I not qualified over here? And um, and there's some humility in there and, and going from being over there where it's like the status symbol of like, oh, you work overseas. Oh, you're in East Asia. Um, you know, there was an identity there and, and a, res- a respected identity, especially not that we were in the hardest place ever, not at all, but, but being over there. You know, that, that commands a certain amount of respect. And then you find yourself back here and it's like, well, I'm, you know, I work a part-time post part-time entry-level job in the morning, you know, and then I do some ministry in the afternoon, basically all unpaid and do some other work, you know, different things. And it's, it's kind of this thing of like, and I'm hitting 40, so I can have a midlife crisis all at the same time, you know, but as we start moving forward, you know, it's like, well, oh. You know, what What does God want us to be? What am I qualified for? What can I do? I don't know, just all these different struggles. And a lot of that, I, th- I think, is the identity. Um, yes. And, yeah, and you talk about different roles in the church. And they're different. There definitely are different roles. And there's things where I think, like, well, I'm, I'm like, I, I could do that. Like, I have the skills, the training, more or less, to do that. But is that where God wants me? And if God doesn't want me in one of the traditional roles, which kind of seems where we're going right now, um, always subject to change. But if God doesn't want me in a traditional role, you know, then like, well, what, well, what do I do? You know, or how do I how do I fit into the body if I'm not a pastor, or if I'm I'm definitely not a, I'm definitely not a music minister, um, <laughs> and you know, I don't I'm not I'm not anxious to jump in as a youth minister. Uh, I don't have any problem with people who do but that's not exactly where i'm interested at you know so like in the body of christ what do i do and then some of that does go back into money okay so how do i how do i provide for my family while i do the things i think god's calling me to do sometimes what i what i really want is is to be more like like a missionary in america because you know there's in my county, uh, statistics range different places, but a lot of people would say 85% lost. You know, so it's not like there's not need for like a missionary in this part of America or multiple ones, or, and you could, you know, you can put that basically anywhere in America, really including the Bible belt. Um, this might not be, this might be like on the edge of the belt or something, but we're pretty, pretty Bible belt-ish. Yeah. You know, so that's some of that's some of the things going on in my mind that I'm struggling with and trying to say, okay, how do I, how do I walk this out? How do I? And some of it maybe is just faith. How do I? How do I walk the path God has for me to walk? Um, even if I can't see exactly how it's going to all work out, I can't see how a lot of it's yeah. going to work out. And then there's you know desires for things like oh would, well you know would would love to have a house again well it's hard to hard to get a mortgage unless you have a W two income or you know certain mm-hmm. amount of years of self employed income which we have had overseas but it was really low so you know like all of those things play in and I struggle with the things that, I struggle with the things of this world you know like in the grand scheme of things is me having a house vital for the kingdom of God. Eh, maybe not, but I'd sure like to have one. 
and yeah. And there's those feelings sometimes where you feel like, God, like I'm, I'm starting over at the bottom again. Like, you know, I've, I'm 40 years old. I've, I've, I've done a few things. Why is it that I feel like I'm, I'm back at the bottom of the, of the totem pole again? Um, and, and maybe I, that, maybe that's where I need to be. And maybe that's some issues with my humility and not wanting, not wanting to be at the bottom of the totem pole, you know, or not, not wanting to work for people that have less experience than you have. A lot of struggles. What about you? Yeah. Um, situation is a little bit different. I'm not going through quite as much transition as you are uh, right now, but, uh, and about three years behind you, you know, as James said, turning 40, I'm, I'm 37. So, uh, would probably get laughed at by a lot of people to say, you know, having a midlife crisis, but, you know, as you, as you've used up your twenties and then you, Oh, I've about used up all my thirties and no, oh, I'm almost a 40. And, uh, you know, where are the people that I've, um, say graduated with either high school or college, what are they doing? You know, I can think of, um, I can think of different people. Some have gone on to uh, be missionaries in very uh, difficult places with with a lot of uh, Bibleish education under their belt. Uh, kind of in my mind, like Navy, like missionary Navy SEALs or something, <laughs> uh, or we'll say missionary Army Rangers. Yeah, no let's let's not. Uh, they're not doing any book deals, so they're not Navy SEALs. <laughs> there you go. Um, and also just having uh, been through some different ministries in my time, um, I guess one thing I've noticed about myself is I, I have never really tended to rise to the top in, in a leadership role. And I'll uh, even recently kind of finding myself in a position where uh, somebody who's a lot newer uh, to the faith is uh, kind of uh, in a, um, let's say a type of leadership role over me and, so anyway, it's it's always these kind of situations that are unideal that tend to uh, rise our insecurities to the top. Uh, you know, you can say, you know, for an engineering perspective, like, oh, this uh, the steel beam is rated for you know four thousand pounds, but you know until you hang four thousand pounds on it, you you don't really know. And so it's these loads that get put in our life, these undesirable circumstances that they kind of reveal what's really down there. Like just, you know, you, you may think you're humble, but how, <laughs> how much does it really take to get your proud, your pride roused up? How much does it take to exhaust your long suffering? How, how okay are you with organizational, um, you know what? The word just fell off the map. How okay, how okay are you with being the low man on the totem pole and still you know, being okay with that? Do you need people to respect your opinion? Do you need people to come to you and say, please, I've got to talk to, to feel good about what God's doing in your life? So mm-hmm. yeah. do you kind need, of going through some of that. Yeah. Do you need to be up front? Do you need to be noticed, recognized, you know, or are you willing to like— Serve in obscurity if that's where God wants you. Yes. Yeah. And that's a big challenge. And I think, you know, for men specifically, I feel like generally speaking, there are a lot of things we want, but a lot of them come down to respect. Like we want to be respected in our field. We want to be 
respected, and there's all kinds of different ways, respected for our family, respected for our uh, success at work, respected for our knowledge, respected for our provisions, you know, like, this is the house I have, this is the car I drive, this is the, you know, you name it. Yes. Yeah, I don't know about you, James, but I think in an organization, probably not in the church, but at least at my work, I would much rather be, I think I would rather be respected than liked if I had to uh, have a, to prioritize one. Mm-hmm. That goes for home too. I, well, I, I, li- I want my wife to like me, but I especially get uh, pretty insecure if I feel like she doesn't trust or value my opinion. I can uh, get uh, mm-hmm. not nice. Soon. It doesn't take that long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of amazing sometimes, and and sometimes I feel like I can be doing great with humility in this one area, one maybe you know, and then all of a sudden something hits me in another. And really, a lot of times it's a lot more fragile than we think. And uh, I don't know if it's like a, a false humility. You know, like it's like I, I want people, to, <laughs> I want people to notice how humble I am, so they can respect me for uh, that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. What, what do you think? Like you, you pop Jesus in either one of our situations. How do you think he walks that out? Oh. Uh, we may not have a lot of data, but we know that for the first 30, 30 part, I'm sorry, for the first 30 years of his life, uh, we don't, there's no data in the scripture to show that he was trying to make a, a name for himself. Um, and while we may not see much in the life of Jesus, we definitely see him, his character and the rest of the word. And I think he would be completely okay with obscurity. I mean, you know, he picked, I don't know if you could say maybe the armpit of the, <laughs> the Roman Empire. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, was it was it Nathaniel that, you know, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Nazareth? Yeah. So I think Jesus would be okay with obscurity. I think he would, he would, uh, he would just carry out the mission God gave him and be secure in his, you know, identity. He'd say, well, I'm, I am his beloved son in whom he is well pleased and he would walk it out. Uh-huh. So if and I agree with you. So if, if Jesus if Jesus would walk it out that way, why is it such a problem for us to walk it out that way? Well, let's chew on that a little bit. Um I I think I I almost feel a need to kind of break uh break this down Maybe that's a fault, kind of not a dichotomy we don't need, but into kind of our our life within the body and our life within the the, the world, and and those are obviously one. And to to separate them isn't. Uh, I think it's good to answer the question: like, are you okay with being obscure uh, in the sight of the world? And then, how much do you need to be? Are you okay with being even obscure within Christ's body? Mm-hmm. Why is that a problem? I think um, I think part of it is we just don't we're not uh, we're not satisfied at the end of the day with what God is calling us to. We're not satisfied with the gospel. We're not mm. satisfied with being called a friend of God. Uh, with just you know being redeemed and being His friend and yeah, or just being, being known by Him. We 
we're still hanging on to the world's idea of status. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. And I think that's a problem even in the church. And I remember, I remember I was talking, it was probably 2005 or six, somewhere on there. And I was talking with someone from the International Mission Board, which is the Southern Baptist uh, Mission Sending Agency. And they were talking about, he's talking about the problem, kind of the problem of getting enough missionaries or or getting good qualified missionaries. And he was saying, it's like, you know, if you're a, if you're a seminary student and you're coming out of there, like if you, if you go the missionary route, you know, like here's your salary. And I don't, I don't remember what a career missionary made a year at that point in time, maybe, maybe mid thirties, something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, you're going to go here, you're going to suffer. Uh, you're going to lose contact with everybody and you may get, you'll get some respect because you're just like, you know, you're the missionary over here, you know, he's the missionary to, you know, to this place. Uh, so there's some respect for that, but you're like, you lose all contact, you lose family, you suffer over there. I mean, don't let me lose this. <laughs> don't let me chase this rabbit and lose the whole story. But over there, like, like walking overseas, I feel like is like a, an exercise in humility. Like you're constantly making mistakes. You're constantly out of place. Um, you're constantly, you know, there's a few people there that know exactly what it is you do, but for the most part, they don't know. And, and you're just this oddity. And, uh, I just remember how many times thinking like, all right, here's another exercise in humility. So you got that. So that back to the IMB guy, he's saying, you know, you've got that. Or the other side is, is you can go and you can work on the pastoral role and you can get up to be a you know, a lead pastor, and you can pull in a, you know, a a really nice, respectable middle-class income. You're still respected. You know, you're up front. Everybody knows you. You know, where like a lot of overseas work is done real secretively and real quietly and real behind the scenes. Where, you know, the the lead pastor is very, very up front. You may be on television. You might, you know, like there's just all this different stuff. And he's saying, in a lot of ways, it's really hard for guys specifically, for guys specifically to make this choice of I'm going to go and serve over here for less pay, less respect, you know. But in in terms of the kingdom of God, I man, I, it's hard to it's hard to argue that that being in a being a pastor in a land where there's so many other people willing to be pastors that it's that you get more more for the kingdom of God than by going overseas where, you know, you may be the first worker concentrating on this group of people or this area or one of a few people doing it. You know, so it's, it's a it's a challenge that we face even in the body of Christ. And mm-hmm. and I I wish I could say I have it licked. Um but uh but I don't. Hmm. I feel like there's this other yeah. this other uh, dichotomy between ambition and respect, you know. And I I can think of a friend, mutual friend of you and I's, who I feel like walks out humility probably better than any Christian man I know. Um, you know, super humble, uh, completely okay with not being known. In fact, like nobody knows the cool things he does unless someone else brags on him. You know, like he does that, he walks that out great. Um, but the other side, you know, I don't know that he's always dreaming and visioning and like, okay, 
how can we, you know, do this, this, how do we have this huge movement of God? And I'm not saying he's not working towards that because I think he is, but I don't know if he has that same drive, if that makes sense or that same ambition mm. towards that. Maybe I have to ask him sometime. Um, but in, but on the other side is he, I feel like he completely embodies the humility aspect much better than I do. Like by a factor of at least 10. Now you had some verses that you were thinking about uh, in regards to this. Yeah, yeah. Um, recently, uh, the house church I'm in was reading through Romans, and I uh, was kind of tailing behind, but refused to move on until I got it read, just because it's like, oh, you know, we're going through Romans. It's it's like going through uh, you know Paris and not stopping to see the Louvre. So I've been reading through Romans and I think Romans 12 really, and I'm reading it in the message. So, you know, it's a paraphrase of the Bible, but while it doesn't specifically, you know, while Romans 12, while it's a lot broader in its usefulness than, than just our topic today, it's hard to throw a, a hissy fit about, you know, they didn't recognize me or they don't appreciate all the things I know. And they, you know, I, I should have been able to lead music more. And I, I just, I don't know. Nobody just, it's hard to maintain that when you have just come off of Romans 10 and 11 and you've seen a God's absolute sovereignty you know, B, uh, just the fact that he has just shown us such grace and favor, such mercy, by even allowing us to be in this this kingdom, in this family. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's like the first thing is you're reading that and you're like, oh, my word, like I am, I am a, I was born into this world of vile sinner and then I commenced to carrying out that that identity and you know now i'm in the kingdom and i and then you get to romans 12 and it's like okay so now what are we going to do given these these mountain-sized realities of what god has done for us uh and once again like the message so i'm just going to read a few of these i'm verses one and two so here's what i want you to do god helping you take your everyday life your sleeping eating going to work and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for Him. And don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you, you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God, and you'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what God wants from you and quickly respond to it. I'm going to move down uh, a little bit to... Here's another verse. It's just approximately verse three. The only accurate way to under, understand ourselves is by what God is and by what he does for us, not by what we are and what we do for him. And as you get into um, verse four to the rest, it starts to talk about the parts of the body. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole and not the other way around. Uh, the body we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. Each of us finds our meaning and function as a part of his body. And then he goes down. So if you preach, 
Just preach God's message, nothing else. If you help, just help. Don't take over. If you teach, stick to your teaching. If you give and if you give encouraging guidance, be careful you don't get bossy. And if you're put in charge, don't manipulate. So he goes on down. Love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Run for dear life from evil. Hold on to dear life for good. Love deeply. And here we go. Practice playing second fiddle. I'm going to read that again. Be good <laughs> friends with. Be good friends who love deeply. Practice playing second fiddle. So anyway, I could read you the whole thing, but everybody's got a smartphone, and I'm sure can find the Romans 12 in the message. But you know, it's like when you're having this pity party. Uh, you know, somewhere out there, I, I know that we don't have a million people listening to this, but if there's a Christian worker who's a lead pastor, but maybe, you know, it's like, well, you know, I've started, I'm pastoring a hundred. I got seminary friends who are up to churches of 400 by now. If you're, if you're just in a, a little Bible study and, you know, the, the, the things that you say don't seem to get much appreciation, no matter who you are, everybody in some way is struggling with, Everyone is in a situation which which gives them the potential to struggle with identity, uh, being secure in who we are in Christ and what our role is in the body. Uh, so that that's what the one thing that really helped me was just reading through Romans and seeing God's sovereignty, His grace and mercy, and then just reading these practical things and just being okay with being obscure. I like that being okay mm-hmm. with playing second fiddle. Mm-hmm. Um, Caring more, you know, if I died right now and was with the Lord, I would wish that I had spent more time developing the gifts he gave me and being thankful for them and less time wishing I could, uh, you know, be a a coveted conference speaker or less time wishing that, you know, my church would promote me to to Sunday school leader. Uh, I think we would all be, well, it feels very embarrassing, the idea of, of standing before God and not appreciating the things he did for us and who he made us to be. So mm-hmm. uh, maybe part of it's just, uh, you know, fearing the Lord and uh, in the sense of rev- revering what he's done for us and mm-hmm. and just realizing that, you know, while we are the body of Christ, um, everywhere to some degree, the church, I think, has to fight to not be conformed to the world. And, uh, you know, part of it is just that, you know, in Acts 2, I think, tell me, is it right, James, Acts 2, they had all things in common? Yeah. yeah. So that was an example where the lead teaching pastor was making the same salary, quote-unquote, as the janitor. And, you know, now, in the body of Christ, we don't see that. We, we've kind of adopted more uh, worldly styles and... Mm-hmm. You know, for those of us in a in a, in a work where you know they don't recognize God, it's it's definitely there. Mm-hmm. So I think we've got to we've got to live in that, but realize that's not the framework I'm going to operate within. I'm going to operate in, you know, God has shown me mercy, He's shown me grace, He's given me an an identity in Christ, and He has in His divine sovereignty assigned the gifts I'm I'm to have and to exercise. Uh, and just to walk that out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
Yeah, because otherwise we're being ungrateful for who he made us. And the truth is, is that sometimes in obscurity, we can actually get more things done for the kingdom of God. Um, <laughs> yep. Yeah, and it's it's a strange thing. And sometimes we don't, you know, one of my old bosses told me, he said, you know, of everything you see, feel, experience, like that's only like 20% of reality. And the other 80% is spiritual and unseen. And, um, and that's true. And there's, it's a danger, you know, that we try to try to seek glory for ourselves instead of glory for the kingdom of God. And, and we have to be thankful for what God made us, who he made us and, and the way he made us. And if you're, you're not made in the way, it's the the God made someone to be, or you know, you're not made to be the next Francis Chan or Rick Warren or um, name it who who you'd like to be. I think we all struggle with like, oh, I wish I was more like this guy or girl, or I wish I had these characteristics, but I don't. You know, wish I wish I was more bold. I wish I was more dynamic. I wish I was, you know, all those things. Um, then we got to accept yeah, like like this absolutely. is who yeah this is who God made us and and that we're God's tool. And God does with whatever tool he wants to. You know, and we should always, I think, be trying to strive to like be the best tool we can be and to shape ourselves and to or be shaped by him and, and molded by him into whatever he wants. But if he wants you to be just a clay pot in the end for throwing his garbage in, then that's what you are. You know, and be thankful for it and and in the kingdom of God. You know, like the things of this world, really, in the long scheme, they just don't matter at all. You know, and I don't know why I get so caught up in it. When I'm living in my best my best sense, I feel that way. But when I'm not, well, you know, then I, then I struggle with them a lot. Yeah. I remember this is slightly changing, changing directions, but I remember Jim Putman said in his book, uh, Real Life Discipleship Training Manual, he's talking about preparing your disciples or the people you disciple, and he said, you know, you have to prepare them for failure and you have to prepare them for success, you know, and, yep. and a lot of failure can lead to despondency, to giving up, to quitting, uh, which is not good. So you got to prepare them like, hey, sometimes like things just go really bad or you pour your life into this guy and uh, he leaves the faith. But then the other side is you got to prepare them for success um, and you have to prepare, you know, because because if you succeed, the danger is pride. Ah, well, now I've got it all figured out. Let me let me tell you all about it. And the, the danger is that we leave God or that we run ahead of God or that we, we think of ourselves more highly than we ought. But then the last question that he had in there was like, okay, and what about you? Like, are you okay if you're, if the person you disciple winds up being way more successful than you? Or if they have all this success that you never had? Or they get all this recognition that you never had? That's a good question. Something we have to deal with. Yeah. Yeah, are you willing to rejoice in in everything that's good, even if you're not at the center of that good? Yeah, exactly. And I think that's a that's something for everyone to consider. I think that's a good place for us to wrap it up today. Uh, appreciate you, Dave, spending a little time with us. Uh, Dave is currently skipping lunch, and you can hear the birds in the background while he records this podcast <laughs> with us. And I'm going to drive home and eat a sumptuous lunch uh, just on your behalf. <laughs> Oh, and, thanks. So I stopped by Seven Eleven and got a sandwich. But yeah, thanks, James, for uh, setting us up today where we could we could talk about this subject. All right, sounds good. And for the listeners out there, if you got a, some good words of wisdom, be sure to share them with us. You can email us at podcast at luke five dot com. And uh, until then, continue to go and make disciples and drive on. And uh, we will talk to you later. Amen. Later.